Today on Fish and Paul Bunyan Country, the dulcet tones of Chip Lear. You can throw a lot of different things or, or, or troll a lot of different things right now for these fish. Myself, personally, I'm doing two different things. I'm pulling bottom bouncers with spinners, um, usually with a crawler, love slow death rigs, um, butterfly blades, something I can pull relatively slow, but I like the, a, a heavier bouncer, like a, like about you know ounce, a little maybe a, even a little bit more than an ounce, ounce and a quarter. And the aquatic biologist is a day late. I don't think he's a dollar short, not that I charged him to be here, but he talks schooling today. There are a lot of schools these days have some sort of conservation class or something like that. Those would be good. Your science classes are good ones too. Mm -hmm. Biology, ecology, things like that. Uh, But if there is some sort of natural resource conservation course at your high school, try that out. Um, Otherwise, like I said, you use a lot of math and English so you're a lot of writing in this field most fields that's what you end up doing a lot is writing yeah reports and things and this is no different so we go out into the wild and aquatic resources and collect some really great data about topics of interest and then you have to write up the reports and do the math and analyze things so it's all coming up I won't ever understand my shorties be mad when all I wanna do is stick my toes in the sand there's nothing wrong with champagne dancing and such Nightlife in the city don't impress me much. F I S H double I N fishing. Fishing. F I S H double I N fishing. I don't feel right in the club. I'd rather be out sitting in my 14 footer catching some trout. The fishes all tremble at the thought of me when I'm F I S H double I N Paul Bunyan country. is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. It's great to be back with Chip Lear. He's a good friend of the show, has been busy and on the road, but back in Minnesota, had a chance to stop in and see us here in Bemidji today. Chip, welcome back. Oh, it's great to be back, Kevin. And there's no there's no better time to be home than what we have right now because uh, I love to fish, and our fish like to put on weight this time of year. This is the best month to go fishing, I think. Um, without a question. And it doesn't matter what you fish for. If you're a pan fisherman or a bass fisherman or a walleye fisherman, uh, okay, so the muskies may take a little bit to get moving here, but this slow, extended spring, I, uh, I'm i all in favor of because it has <laughs> extended a lot of really good bites. So where are you finding the fish right now? Uh, most of the fish have, you know, have, have moved through their... Their, um, their spawning procedures, and mm-hmm. we, we've moved ourselves into summer, and as they, as they come out of spawn and into summer and start to set up on summer haunts, they put a lot of, uh, they get a lot more aggressive. They're willing to chase baits a lot further. They're willing to chase prey a lot further. Our fish right now, so the bass are, are moving, starting to move offshore. Most of them are still relatively shallow, and if that water stays cool, they'll stay there. The walleyes have started to move out into the Maiden Lake, uh, butting up against some some rock edges and some points towards the main basin pointing themselves towards their midsummer haunts but they are they are held up there and uh, aggressively feeding um and our, our smallmouth are cruising flats and eating just about anything you pitch you know there are some lakes you have to go to different lakes to get different bites that's the beauty of bleach lake isn't it they're all there I love Leech Lake, uh, from panfish to uh, to walleyes. It can also be a really frustrating lake. I mean, I live there, I fish it. Um, it's so big, and there's so many options. Um, I personally, the way I attack the lake because it is so diverse, 
Um, it, it's really easy to get caught up in running back and forth. Is I just kind of fish it by by zones, and I'll I'll kind of zone zone out the lake and decide that today I'm going to fish. You know, maybe it's Walker Bay and Cabacona Bay, or I'm going to fish. You know, just Steamboat Bay, or I'm going to fish the main lake, or I'm going to hit Boyan Headquarters, or it's Portage Bay is going to be my my lake today. If you just uh, a, a guide a long time ago, a friend of mine. Uh, when I was frustrated and running around the lake, took out a paper map. Those of us that remember paper maps, <laughs> laid it on it, laid it on a table, and took a magic marker and drew a circle and said, "Don't leave the circle. There's walleyes in that circle. Go find them." And it was it was actually really good advice, and it, it helped me become a better fisherman because I just I picked apart the nuances of a particular bay and and uh, found some fish. So, what would you say the walleyes want to eat right now? You can throw a lot of different things or, or, or troll a lot of different things right now for these fish. Myself, personally, I'm doing two different things. I'm pulling bottom bouncers with spinners, um, usually with a crawler, love slow death rigs, um, butterfly blades, something I can pull relatively slow, but I like the, a, a heavier bouncer, like a, like about you know ounce, a little maybe a, even a little bit more than an ounce, ounce and a quarter, something I can pull along slowly but stay in contact with the bottom i can change depths relatively uh, effectively and just make contact with those fish and you're gonna if you're moving slowly with it with a slow death type rig like a butterfly blade uh, you're gonna locate those fish and then if you want to you can turn around and go back through there with a live bait rig a slip sinker rig uh, with either a crawler or a leech and that's pretty much my one-two punch for now. The shiner thing is, is great, but we've kind of worked our way all the way through that, and it's really hard to keep them alive in this warmer water anyway. Okay. What about the bass? Bass are all over the shallows. I mean, there's uh, they have uh, the the large the largemouth are definitely in the shallows and moving up into some of our rice beds, and you can see how the rice is hitting the surface of the water and and tipping over a little bit on some of that backwater. Um, so you can you can take uh, jawbreaker spoons or anything that uh, frogs and get yourself back into that slop and, and enjoy some of those fishes. They're they're looking for the warmest water in the system they can to recover from some, from spawn and start to put on some weight. And they really like the the warm water move out a little bit deeper and hard harder bottom areas and you're going to bump into our our blessed smallmouth that are on so many of our area lakes and pitching jigs with tubes and, and short little fatty tubes and all that 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 kind of stuff uh seems to work real well you can also use jerk baits and and, and spinner baits and uh because they are they're just hanging up out there and and cruising around and, and aggressively feeding if you don't find them you know, the smallmouth, you pretty much got to just move yourself back out a little bit to uh, to a break line. You know, as we go from warm to cold and warm to cold, uh, a lot of times they will they will leave those shallows and run back out to a little bit deeper water and return as things warm back up for them. So just move yourself back out to that break, throw some jerk baits, and you'll you'll at least see them. And if you see them, you can you can start to pitch slower dropping uh, uh, presentations to get them to bite. How many smallmouth are out there now? There's a lot of smallmouth out there. I, I'm not a biologist, and I don't have an exact number of lakes. But, boy, oh, boy, do we have a lot of options. And our options are, are fabulous. It's, uh, there's, there's a number of lakes with some great opportunity. They seem to be getting – the bass seem to be getting bigger and more plentiful every single season, um, including Leech Lake. I mean, we're, mm-hmm. we're seeing – uh, you know this population on Leech Lake is is really kind of exciting. It's it's getting to the point where it's almost targetable, um, and and I wouldn't say predictable, but it's it's targetable, and you can go out there and and look to make contact with one. And and you couldn't say that three years ago. No, wow, I know well, it's fun. 
It's it's just a natural place for fish to grow. Clearly, that lake is just designed to <laughs> create fish. Well, that's that's why we love it. And it's also why we got to protect it. You yeah. know, because like all of our area lakes, Kevin, we are. And, and I can tell you from from traveling around, uh, we are we are so very fortunate to have the type of resources that we have here locally. They they are unmatched anywhere in North America. We've got pristine waters with fabulous fisheries. These fish want to bite. Um, they are not pressured fish. We are we are spoiled beyond reason here. <laughs> we uh, are, despite having a, a a difficult day here and there. Right? Yeah. We're, you know, they don't always bite. You know, it isn't opening day on Red Lake everywhere all the time. <laughs> but there gets a lot worse when you travel out of the state of Minnesota. I'll tell you that. Hard to believe with two shy guys like Chip and I, but there's a lot more to come. Some people say fishing is overrated. For the record, they are wrong. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. You're listening to Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Always great to have Chip Lear in the studio talking fishing. And Chip, we've been talking Leech Lake. Walleye bite is great. The bass bite is great. And we haven't even talked about crappies and bluegills. We've got great numbers of those fish, too. And this is the time of year, you know, a lot of those, the, the panfish, the bluegills, and the crappies have all moved up into the weeds and on the edge of those um, those weeds, and you can run around there and catch them. And you also got to be careful. I mean, that's where, I mean, I'm a big advocate of, of catch and release, uh, even on these bigger lakes. Um, a fish here and there for, for consumption is great, but I really like to see them go back in, especially these panfish, because if, if we have one resource that we can put the damage on, it's the panfish, and we got to look to protect those. The, and, and, and for all these species, that we're at the time of year now where you can use relatively quick search items. So if you're searching for bass, you can throw, throw swim baits and cover water quickly. You can throw spinner baits, cover water quickly. You can throw top waters, cover water quickly. You want to chase walleyes. You can pull spinners relatively you know, quickly, not overly fast, but you can go half, three-quarters of a mile an hour and still make contact with some fish and locate them. But... Every time you locate a fish to really capitalize on your bite, you gotta come up with a second presentation that is that slows things down a little bit. Whether it's a live bait rig or a wacky rigged worm for bass or something that just drops slower in front of their face that entices that bite, or a helium fly for panfish, something that has no weight to it at all and just kind of flutters and oozes up in front of that fish's nose and entice them to bite. Or Fish are a lot like humans right now. If you hold a piece of food in front of somebody's you know, nose long enough, eventually they're going to want a bite. And that's, and, and that's what the fish are like right now. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, it's just a flat-out fun time to go fishing. No, no, doubt, no doubt about that. If, uh, just take the time. You know mm-hmm. what? You can work on the lawn later. You can do everything <laughs> you want later. August is coming. There will be plenty of time for that garden project. <laughs> right now, get in the boat. Yeah, yeah, and um, we've been talking about northerns. You got that new second year that uh, that new northern limit. Are you seeing more people go for northerns and taking advantage of this? I don't know that I am, but I'm I'm certainly not in those waters, and I certainly haven't been doing any surveys at all. Yeah. So I don't know if I'd be a good okay. good uh, source for that. What about muskies? What are you hearing out there? 
Um, well, I, I know some, some fish are getting caught. I know that they're starting to show up for those that are, are casting to them, uh, but they're not fully committing as our, wa- you know, as our water has just now started to warm up. So you really need the, the stars and the moon to align, as the musky uh, anglers like to, uh, like to cordon, and uh, they'll be good to go. So it, it's time to sharpen hooks and pick your, pick your times to chase them. I mean, myself and musky fishing, it, it's really come down to prime time i i fish for a few hours in the evening or a few hours in the morning but um i, I don't cast all day like some of the some of the guys do so now that you're here in this prime time to go fishing are you are you filming a lot right now we're doing a lot of tips and tricks especially for northland tackle the 2020 uh, gear is going to be released here in just a few weeks so i've been very fortunate to uh, to get to play with a lot of the products um, and the improvements in products that are coming for next summer, and this is uh, it. Really is it's, it's really a fun time of year because it's in fishing world. It's it's all the new toys, right? right? So we get to see all the all the new stuff that's that's coming and going to get released for next season. And um, I can I'm telling you, there's some really cool stuff coming. My hats are off to everybody at Northland Fishing Tackle here in Bemidji because the stuff they got coming, especially some of the uh, some of the some of the jigs and the rigs that they got for uh, for next season are innovative and creative enough, and uh, I have fished with them enough this spring to say that I have a hundred percent confidence that you are you're going to end up catching more and and possibly some bigger fish because of some of this. They keep they keep coming up with new stuff. How do they keep coming up with new stuff? Well, it's it's the network, and mm-hmm. and I'm certainly a part of that. And that's the that's the great part about Team Northland is it is it is wide and diverse. It's it's coast to coast. It's north to south. It's east and west. It's it's everywhere, and everybody gets uh you know they take input from all over North America and take good ideas and. What they're really good at, and especially, I mean, Eric Nag has helped a lot over there at Northland Fish and Tackle from the sense that they take all that information that gets that gets brought up, whether it comes from tournament anglers or guides or just hardcore fishermen in different areas around the country, and they take each one of those little ideas, and a lot of times it gets morphed into one, or, or they are working on a current product, and somebody will bring something up that's similar from a different part of the country, and then it'll get tweaked. And that's some of the stuff you got coming for next year, which is really, really innovative. What's uh, making a lot of noise this year from Northland Tackle that you're hearing a lot about? Well, the the, the stand-up fireball jigs and the long shank fireball jigs yeah. have it's it's become it's a mainstay. Okay, it's done. It's over. It's mm-hmm. it's those things uh, rocked. I, I I know I caught more fish because of that longer shank. Um, it's uh, it's it's a phenomenal jig, and whether you're using the stand up or the round ball, they both uh, they both ended up catching a lot of fish because of the fact that you know you have that longer shank that could get further back into a, a minnow's body. Um, subsequently, if a fish grabbed a hold of it, you end up with with more hookups. Um, the one the one tweak that I've been doing to the bait, if if you're using a lot of those jigs, is I slightly bend open the hook just a hair. I think it's it's curved down just a hair, but I I bend it up just ever so slightly just to to make it a little bit easier to catch the roof of the fish's mouth. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, I've heard a lot about that. You know, whether it be the original fireball jig or, or all these variations, I mean, to me, it's like uh, well, it's like a fishing version of Stairway to Heaven. You know, there might be a lot of Led Zeppelin songs you like, but if you see them in concert, they better play Stairway to Heaven, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. No matter what. And Northland Tackle has all kinds of great stuff, but everybody wants the fireball jig. 
There's no doubt about it. And, in fact, it's the first thing that people bring up when, when if you're traveling around. You, you, know, you mentioned you work with Northland. They're like, oh, I got so many fireball stories, right? They yeah. got fireball stories and, and fireball stories. And this is going to create more fireball stories. We haven't even got to the point at the time of the year. I mean, this long-chain fireball, um, as season progresses and we go to larger minnows in some deeper water and we want to utilize a bigger minnow and a stinger hook, it's got that capability. So as, as we move in, it's far from just a spring-only uh, jig. This thing is going to become an a, a important piece of your fishing arsenal come late summer as those fish move to the depths and a lot of times you're vertical, vertical fishing them. But wait, there's more. There was so much stuff Chip and I talked about, we have to push off the rest of the interview until tomorrow. The aquatic biologist, Dr. Andy Hapes, is a little frustrated because we spent so much time with Bruce Onspock yesterday, we had to push him off to today, and he was not about to be put off another day. So we adhere to his wishes, and coming up next, we'll hear from the aquatic biologist with advice for high schoolers interested in a career in fisheries. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Take good notes so you sound smart. Ask the aquatic biologist. Once again, uh, time to check in with Dr. Andrew Haves out of Bemidji State University, our resident aquatic biologist. And Andrew, we're going to give you a chance to, um, to recruit a little bit here. Uh, we're going to talk about high schoolers interested in aquatic biology uh, obviously, you'd suggest they go to Bemidji State, uh, but but beyond that, um, what would your advice be for them? Go fishing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, get out in the water, uh, enjoy it, and when you're out there, think about the stuff you're seeing and not just say, oh, that's cool. Try to think about why things are happening. Um, and look at all aspects of it, not just the fish, the aquatic plants, the insects, and just enjoy it and try to learn about it and see some of the cool stuff that's out there. So spend time out there. The only other thing I would suggest, possibly, if you're really serious about this field, is that you maybe volunteer, stop into your local DNR office and ask if you could help or spend a day helping them pull nets or whatever they need help with, uh, just to start to get a better handle on what the job actually entails before okay. you fully commit to it in a as a four-year degree at a college someplace. What high school courses would you suggest they take to give them a taste of, of what they actually have to know? Math. Math? <laughs> okay. No, uh, there are a lot of schools these days have some sort of conservation class or something like that. Those would be good. Your science classes are good ones too. Mm-hmm. Biology, ecology, things like that. Uh, but if there is some sort of natural resource conservation course at your high school, try that out. Um, otherwise, like I said, you use a lot of math and English. You're, so you do a lot of writing in this field. Most fields, that's what you end up doing a lot is writing yeah. reports and things. And this is no different. So we go out into the wild and aquatic resources and collect some really great data about topics of interest. And then you have to write up the reports and do the math and analyze things. So Okay. Um, Get strong in math. Become interested in the wild or the aquatic resources. I think some something people need to be aware of. If you like the outdoors and you like fishing, but you don't like science, you, you don't want to be an aquatic biologist. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
it's a science-heavy field, and like I said, a lot of the, the people that come in aren't necessarily aware that I'm going to push the writing and the math on them so hard, uh, too. But that was yeah. some of the best advice that I received when I was an undergrad was take more math, take more math, take more math. Okay. So um, I guess just some other things. I think we've talked a little bit about this in the past, but it's a little bit limited of a job market. So if you think about just the town of Bemidji, about how many businesses there are, and if you think about how many DNR biologists there are, right? Right. It's a different ball game. So you can't expect in this field to get a full-time job straight out of an undergraduate college in your hometown and that you won't accept anything else anywhere else. That's a yeah. recipe for disaster. Uh, I would so I always tell the students that are coming in and asking me about the program, I say you got to keep your options open, which means you're passionate about the field, keeping your GPA up, uh, doing cool research projects. You're not limiting yourself geographically early on in your career. As soon as you get the credentials and have a nice resume, then you can be a little more choosy about where you're going to end up. So, What has traditionally been the, uh, the biggest um, eye-opener for students going into the field? I mean, you mentioned, I guess, writing and, and, and math is something that they needed to be more aware of. Anything else? Maybe that a master's degree is often required okay, right, for you to really become successful. So I don't, there's that much science is required and that much knowledge about study design and how to answer these difficult questions. I mean, you've been drilling me with questions for five <laughs> years here. And I, I flounder on a lot of them. <laughs> right? and so uh, that's how much science and the background foundational knowledge you need. So. Is there a growth area in the aquatic biology field? Right now, it's AIS, Aquatic Invasive Species, is a, just booming, right? We're trying to scramble to find as much as we can about these organisms to try to control them or at least alleviate the issues related to those. So if there's a growth area right now, I'd say it's that or possibly genetics. I think there's been a lot of – we're starting to use genetics more and more and more in both wildlife and in fisheries biology. Okay. So. Those going into the field? Are, are most of them interested in, like, the DNR-type work? Yeah. That's, I think that's what a lot of the people are. That's their long-term vision is that you're going to become the new large lake specialist for okay. a region somewhere. Yeah. Uh, there's lots of other opportunities as well. There's federal agencies, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and things like that. A, a really great job board for students interested in aquatic biology is American Fishery Society Job Board. So if you just... Do a Google search for American Fishery Society jobs and then look at that once a month or every couple months. You'll see what type of jobs are out there. I mean, they're fabulous jobs. I mean, biologist positions are always ranked in the top ten in terms of best jobs. Okay. It's just that they're competitive. Yeah. And early in your career, you might have to not be so picky about where you're working or exactly what you're doing until you build your resume up get a master's degree or whatever, until you can start to become more choosy. Okay. I know in general, in STEM-type jobs, um, there is a push to get more and more women involved. Um, and, you know, I, I notice that here I'm starting to talk to more 
females in the field than I used to. But it is still very male-dominated at this point, at least, you know, locally. Yes, it it is. We've made some pretty good strides at Bemidji State in the last few years on that. Last half a decade, we've seen uh, the female numbers in the aquatic biology program tick up, which is really awesome. Good. And those those students that do graduate are sought after, right, because of that issue. So Mm -hmm. that's great to see. There's more and more of them involved. Well, I mean... You know, I, there's a ton of women that fish. There's a ton of little girls that go out fishing with dad and, and hunting. I know a, a lot of them. So it's my so why, girls. Yeah. <laughs> so why why not go to that field if it's something you like? That's right. You know? If you're passionate about it, like I said, these jobs are some of the best jobs there are. Okay. Um, if you get hot, you can jump in the lake. Right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I always said, yeah. I liked it so much. Right? Dip your hat in the water and just see some beautiful sights, and it's just. The questions you're going to ask during your job are just really interesting things. Like the questions we've been covering for mm-hmm. the past okay. right, five years here on the show are just really interesting to think about. Yeah. And that's a lot of fun. What is most likely going to be the first job? Uh, hope My hope is that your first job is your master's degree. So that's okay. a big difference in this field too is that um, – you shouldn't end out of college with $100,000 in debt. Right? You should, if you do your undergrad and do a quality research project, you've done internships during the summer, and you have a good GPA, you do good on the standardized tests at the end of the, your time. Hopefully your graduate school is paid for, and it's a job. Okay. So yeah. I didn't have to pay for my graduate school. I was doing a really cool research project on smallmouth bass movement and mortality in Arkansas where I did a telemetry project on them and tracked fish swimming around as the water levels were dropping to see if the fish were dying or if they were smart enough to stay, find areas where water would persist throughout the summer. Okay. So that's a big difference than going to med school where you, you might be eating all that cost. And right. So that's hopefully is your first job. And uh, the graduate students that have been coming out of Bemidji State have had a pretty successful run at getting – long-term positions through, you know, as a fish specialist with the DNR. Uh, one of my most recent ones who was on the, the Beaver Brook Trail Project just got hired as a research biologist out of Wisconsin through the DNR. Okay. Right, so that's my hope. Okay. Uh, the other students that have decided to not go to graduate school directly out of school are typically doing eight-month temporary positions and bouncing from eight-month gig to eight-month gig to eight-month gig until they can either get into a graduate school or land a longer-term position. So That would get tiring after a while, I would yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. When I was out of my – I was hired on as a private consulting – through a private consulting company straight out of undergrad, which was a full-time permanent in, in Illinois. And then they decided to bail on that and go to grad school instead. But yeah. yeah. Um, did have that lined up. And that's, I think that's a common thing, too. Some of our better students are going straight into consulting companies. Oh, okay. So are there uh, still spots available in the ecology de- aquatic <laughs> biology department? Always, for sure. <laughs> okay. And if you're interested in Bemidji State, what's the best process? Shoot set up a tour? Email. Shoot you an email, set up yeah, a tour? I, oh, yeah, set up a tour, too. Uh, I bet I visit with 20 potential students every year and kind of go through the same talk that we just had right here with them. And I'm really straight up with them about how it's a competitive job market out mm-hmm. there and that uh, 
it's going to be tough, right, to find jobs. Uh, so you got to do a really good job while you're at school and get involved and have fun and uh, get involved with the DNR as much as you can and be willing to move around. Okay. And how do they get a hold of you? Uh, look, andrew.hafes, right, at bemidgestate.edu. Or you can just do a Google search for my name, Andrew Hafes, and I should be one of the first couple of hits should be uh, my homepage at BSU. Andy, we love talking to you. Thanks for stopping by today. Appreciate oh, it. Thanks for the opportunity today to do this. Fish out! Bum, bum.